But uh, we started with what would the end days be like? Then we went into is there a rapture? Then we went into when will the rapture be? Last week, who is going to go in the rapture? And this week, it's going to be the title is what will the tribulation be like? So if you'll put that uh, title on the overhead, what will the tribulation be like? Now, let me just give a disclaimer before I get going here. If you are saved, you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you're a blood-bought saint of the living God by Jesus Christ, grace and mercy, I want you to raise your hand. Let everybody know. You are saved. You belong to Jesus, okay? So I've got good news for you. What I'm going to preach to you now, sit back, relax, enjoy the show, because none of this is going to pertain to you. If, however, you're playing games with God and you attend church, but you're really not committed to Christ and you really haven't given your life to him, then you really need to hear what I have to say. If you're watching me on video, whether somebody's sharing this or not, and you are disavowing Christ, you say, I'm not going to be a Christian. I really need you to listen to what this message is going to say. I'm going to pick up here. Next week, I'm going to talk about the Antichrist. I'm just going to keep right on going into the Battle of Armageddon, into the millennial reign and the judgment seat of Christ and, and the great right throne judgment and so forth. We're in a series on Revelation. Well, not really Revelation only, but end time. So... What will the tribulation be like? If you will, stand to your feet one more time for the reading of God's word. Matthew chapter 24, verse 21. Matthew 24, verse 21. Just one verse of scripture today, uh, at least on the initial. And then, of course, as usual, we'll have a bunch in there. If you've got your composition notebooks, too, so you may want to keep notes or refer back to this message. Also, you version, you can save the notes in there. So, here we go. Matthew 24 and 21, Jesus speaking. For then there will be a great tribulation. Everybody say, great tribulation. Now Jesus is speaking, and if Jesus says there will be a great tribulation, will there be? Absolutely. Such has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. What Jesus is saying is, what's coming to the earth is something that the earth and the history of mankind has never experienced. It's so bad. Think, of, think about how bad some of the dark ages were. Think about how bad the days of Noah were. How bad Sodom and Gomorrah and places like that. Jesus said, nobody has ever experienced what's coming. So for those of you saved, you need to praise God because I believe, and we've talked about, that we believe the rapture is going to happen and get us out of here. And I've heard people say, well, you're just an escapist. Yes. <laughs> Count me guilty. God said, I'm going to escape the judgment and the wrath to come. Praise God. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're about to show us. Thank you for the study on end time. I thank you, God, that the end of the book tells us how it all ends. And I pray, Father God, that if there's anybody watching me that is not saved, that is not, not serious about you, that's playing games, would take this serious. Because there is wretched, awful times coming. I pray, anoint me to speak forth your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in, in power and in might. I pray, Father, let the truth of the word come forth straight from your throne into our hearts. Not one word of moan. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Before you're seated, hold your Bibles up and let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. 
Amen, amen. Be seated and say you're going to escape the tribulation. I've got a great story that reveals this about Winston Churchill. I'm, I am a huge fan of Winston Churchill. He was a, 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 a crodgy old man that just really saved World War II. I believe that with all my heart. And he had some quick wittedness and he had a pretty neat story that talks about the rapture. But just to give you an idea of some of his quick wittedness, when Eleanor Roosevelt, the president's wife, asked him, uh, attacked him, excuse me, for supporting British rule in India. Churchill turned to the president's wife and said, are we talking about the brown-skinned Indians in India who are prospering under British rule or the red-skinned Indians in America who are now almost extinct? He just had a way to just put people in their place. A laborite woman of parliament once thundered, Winston, you're drunk, and what's more, you're disgustingly drunk. To which he immediately without a thought, popped back and said, you're ugly. And what's more disgustingly ugly, but tomorrow I shall be sober. <laughs> Lady Astor once said to him, Winston, if I were your wife, I'd poison your coffee. He immediately replied, Nancy, if, you're, if I was your husband, I'd drink it. Winston was a card. You just have to love him and appreciate for who he was. But he was a dogmatic man that helped tear down. But anyways, he actually planned his funeral. Here's the point of this. He planned his funeral in advance, and he had it set up to where when he died, he'd be, the services would be held in St. Paul's Cathedral in London. And he had a bugler up, a bugler up in the dome that would play when he was, the funeral was over, was going to play taps. And that's military for, you know, he's deceased, his physical body gone. But then, to everyone's surprise, as soon as Taps was finished, he had another bugler on this side of the dome that played Reveille. It's time to get up in the morning. And what he was saying was, at least in his mind, my physical body may be dead, but I'm about to get up out of the grave. And I want to tell you that's exactly what's going to happen. Jesus is going to raise us. If you've, those who have died, he's going to raise from the dead. The living saints are going to be caught up together to meet him in the air. Somebody say a good amen. amen. The rapture of the church is not the end of the world. It may be the end of our world on earth for those of us that are Christians. And we talked about this. And you may have a, a post uh, a post-rapture, uh, or excuse me, a post-tribulation theory or a mid-tribulation. I explained just from my years of study, two decades, that I believe we're going in a pre-tribulation rapture. So I'm going to preach from that stance. Um, the Word of God gives us a very detailed outline of the events that are going to take place uh, after the church is raptured. There will be multiplied millions of lost men and women on the earth that are going to go through the most horrid, terrifying period known to mankind, such as there's never been before. In fact, Jeremiah prophecy, prophesied, excuse me, of the days of this anguish in Jeremiah 36 and 7. He said, alas, for that day is great so that none is like it and the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Isaiah called it a day of indignation. So what is the tribulation going to be like? From Revelation chapter 4, verse 1 to Revelation 22, the church is no longer seen on earth, and it would be considered the time of the tribulation and then the second coming or the millennial, the, the millennial coming of Christ. So point number one is this. What's the tribulation going to be like? Millions of people are going to be missing. Now, we read that, but I want to paint a picture for you. 
People who are left on the earth when the church has been called away are going to face this horrific period and not know what to do. Without warning and without announcement, those who are in Jesus Christ will simply disappear from their homes, from their schools, from their offices, from their workplaces. Poof, just that quick, gone. People from all walks of life, all nationalities, all cultures, all creeds, all colors will suddenly, if they've called on the name of Jesus and live for him, suddenly be gone. A wife will say, why is my husband so long in coming home? A, a, a student may say, where is my mom and my dad? Conversations will be interrupted. One party will vanish and the other left in confusion. Two people will literally be talking, and while you're looking that person in the face, they'll just suddenly be gone, and their clothes fall to the floor. This is biblical, folks. A portion of the family will be gone, and another left. Sitting at a dinner table, maybe three go, and the other two look around and say, what in the world just happened? Matthew 24, 42 through uh, 42 says it this way. Two men will be in the field, Jesus speaking. One will be taken and the other left. And they're standing together. One's gone, one's there. Two women will be grinding in the hand mill. One will be taken, the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Everyone is going to have the same anxious and the same confused questions. Whether in the home, whether in the factory, whether in streets, Wherever they are, they're going to be wondering, what happened to my loved one? Where has everyone gone? They estimate that there are one point something billion Christians on this earth. You take over a billion people out of this planet just like that, and it's going to cause mass confusion. The crowds of people are going to go into pandemonium. I'm just telling you, for those of you saved, sit back, relax, because you'll be in heaven. If you're playing games with God or you're not saved, you need to hear what I'm having to say right now. The crowds of people are going to go into pandemonium as they hear the radio announcements, as the internet goes off, as people are, are, are posting stuff on social media, as television broadcasts go everywhere announcing people are missing what in the world has happened on this earth. They will have disappeared in the greatest mass kidnapping story of all time. Some may try to explain it away as alien abduction. I'm not sure. But what I do know is that cries and wails are going to fill the air. If you think the coronavirus shut this world down, schools are going to be closed. Nightclubs and restaurants will shut their doors. Stadiums will be empty. Music will cease and turn into mourning. Business will be paralyzed. The wheels of commerce will come to a screeching halt. The world will suffer complete and utter and severe shock. And no one will know what to do. Have you ever thought about this? This very well may be, and I need you to hear this. America is not listed anywhere in Scripture. Nowhere. Why are we not listed in Scripture? America is the dominating, or used to be, uh, until maybe recently, the dominating force in the world. You can't go anywhere or do anything without people recognizing and knowing the United States of America is the leader of the world. How is it that we're not listed in end time scripture? I've said it for years. Something has to happen. There's been prophecies by men who died in the 1950s that have made prophecies that they've all come to pass. And one of the prophecies was that there would be no more United States of America at the end of times. It would be six regions. And you already see that. 
You see factions of people that line up with conservative beliefs going to conservative states. You see factions of liberal thinking and they go to liberal states. And you're starting to see the disbanding and the separation already happening. But I can promise you, America is not listening to the Bible. Why? Well, if you take, if you take, uh, let's just tell, let me just show you how crippled America will be. If you take in China all the Christians out, it's not going to do anything to the functioning of the government for the most part. Why? Because they're all communists. They don't like God. They don't want you serving God. So the Christians in places like India and China and Iran and Iraq are all in holes somewhere and houses somewhere. So when God takes them out, there'll be a disturbance, but it won't stop the running of their military and their government. Listen, America is the only country in the world left that has many Thousands of real Christian people in military positions and government positions that have passwords, that have codes that nobody else has. You take those people out and it will cripple our military. It will cripple our government. People won't know what to do. I am convinced America will suffer great tragedy when this is all over. Think of all the pilots flying airplanes. And when everybody in that cockpit is a Christian, guess what's going to happen to that plane and that plane full of people? It's going to crash to the ground and they're going to die. Think of all the people that are going to be driving cars down the road like you and I. And suddenly we're gone and cars will spiral out of control, crashing head on into people, going over cliffs, killing. There will be mass chaos in this country when the rapture happens think of every car going down the road with a christian that will suddenly have nobody driving it and they will be destroyed that the cars will cling into each other the people will be killed and then you have another big problem on your hand who's going to go rescue those people because paramedics like our dear Dwayne johnson right here he'll be gone think of the firemen and the paramedics and the ambulance drivers that will not get to people because many of them will be gone in the rapture Think of all the doctors and nurses like Dwayne's sister Amanda, my sister Yvonne, that will be gone in the rapture. And the hospitals will be empty of medical personnel. So if you could get somebody to a hospital, there will be nobody there to do anything for them. Think of all the farmers that will no longer be around to get all the food out of the ground, which will cause mass starvation. Think of all the truck drivers that are saved, Christian people, that will no longer be able to go pick stuff up in their big rigs and deliver them. Listen. Don't kid yourself, the single most important industry and group of people as far as commerce goes in America are truck drivers. Absolutely. There is nothing in your house, including the materials of the house itself, that didn't come on a truck. You let truckers quit driving and it will cripple any nation. You can't function without truck drivers. You let all of a sudden half of them go in the rapture. What's going to, who's going to go get the food? Who's going to deliver it? Where are the medical supplies going to come? I'm painting a picture here on purpose. Can you feel and see the mass destruction and severe problems that are going to happen? Suppose you get your loved one to the ER. There's no doctor there to help. There's no medicine on board to help. Think about all these things that were gonna, are going to happen. Think of the military with all the key passwords and the government with the codes and all. That many of those people are gone. And now, who's going to get into those systems? Think of the mass hysteria and confusion that's going to occur. And nobody's going to know what to do. All the media showing on live stream. Can you imagine doing a little birthday party? And as you're filming there, all of a sudden, 14 people out of 20 disappear. 
And people are going to be posting their videos on social media. Look what happened to my friend. Look what happened to my family. Where did they go? How did they disappear in midair? What, what is going on here? And video after video is going to be posted. And the world's going to go, I have no idea what has happened. But here's the deal. This is just the beginning of sorrows. The tribulation period is going to follow the rapture. As a matter of fact, the tribulation period is the time we consider to be the space of time between the second coming of the Lord, the rapture, where he comes down in midair, he calls up the living saints to be with him, he raises the dead, and we go be with Jesus forever. Well, then after the tribulation, he comes back again, only Jesus is going to set up shop in Jerusalem, and that's going to be his headquarters for the thousand-year millennial reign. I'll talk about that in the future. So that period between his two, the one in midair and the one where he actually sets up shop on earth, is called the tribulation period. And it's a seven-year period. And halfway through, the last three and a half years, is what's known as the great tribulation. Everybody say great tribulation. The first few weeks and months that the Christians are gone, the people left will have the job of reconstructing a totally shattered society. Vacant offices will have to be filled. New store clerks hired, new managers for businesses, new presidents for companies. There will be no government posts, many that will have to be filled. There will be a need to completely reorganize the affairs of the world. There will be thousands of people that cannot believe their eyes. They will question, did I really see what I think I just saw? As they're leaning over, hey, Bob, can you help me at work? Can you help me do this? And all of a sudden, Bob's got a pen and he's writing. And then the pen falls, his clothes fall, and Bob's gone. And John's sitting over here going, what happened to Bob? For some, they'll finally come to the realization, maybe if they have a church background, that wait a minute, maybe what Jesus said about this is really true. Maybe the Bible really is so. So what will the tribulation be like? When you paint that picture of mass chaos in the world, guess what? It's going to lead right into point number two, and that is the Antichrist will then be revealed. The Antichrist, with the whole world in a state of shock, the devil is going to take the advantage of this opportunity and take over the world. 2 Thessalonians 2, 7 through 12. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who is now restrains, only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Let me stop right there. Everybody say, until he is taken out of the way. I got a question a couple of weeks about this, so I did some studying on this. And here's what I've come to understand. When Christians go up in the rapture, they're spirit-filled people, they're, they're, they're carrying the Holy Spirit, they go up. I, when I first read this and I studied through this, I mistakenly looked at this and said, well, the Holy Spirit's going to lead the earth. And I had a few people say, well, how do people get saved on the earth after the tribulation, after the rapture? Because there will be a few. I said, I don't know. That's a good question. So I went back to study this and I noticed something here. The Holy Spirit helped me. He is now taken out of the way, not taken away. The Holy Spirit will be taken to the side and will allow the world to do whatever the world wants to do. The Holy Spirit will be taken out of the way, not a way. And when the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way of someone's life, it is mass destruction. The devil will reign supreme. So let me go on. And then the lawlessness, lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. Everybody say, according to the working of Satan. 
with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Now, I'm going to hit a little bit of this probably next week, the lying wonders. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they may, all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So at the beginning of the tribulation period, the Antichrist is going to be revealed to those who didn't believe the truth, who didn't give their life to Jesus, and then, but they're going to believe him. In this confused and frustrated state, the lost of the world are going to grasp for any straw of hope that they can find because they're desperate and don't know where to turn. So the Antichrist is going to show up. He's going to present new schemes, new inventions. Next week I'm going to talk all about him. A new outlook, a new way of doing things. He's going to have answers to the world's problems. He's going to offer solutions and they're going to work. The Antichrist is going to gain prominence as a world leader through the power of Satan. 2 Thessalonians 2.9 The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. He's going to arise to prominence. He's going to get universal acclamation. He's going to become a supreme dictator. He will become the imperial head of the newly reorganized Roman Empire. He will be the dictator of the world that Hitler tried to be. He will, he's called the beast in Revelation 13, and he will sway the world with his deceit. As a matter of fact, people will rejoice in him not realizing that what he's doing is through the power of Satan and not through the power of God. He will begin his reign under the guise of peace and prosperity, and he'll make a covenant with the Jews for a seven-year period. Daniel 9.27 says he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. That's seven years. In the middle of the seven, three and a half years in, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed to be poured out on him. Simply meaning, three and a half years into this guise of peace and prosperity, he's going to pull the rug back on the world and then it's going to get really, really ugly. The Jews will realize they've been duped, but it'll be too late. He's going to come into the temple in Jerusalem, walk into the Holy of Holies, set himself down and say, I'm God and everybody's going to worship me. Second Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 2.4, he will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or his worship so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. An image of him will be set up and he will force the world to worship it. The Antichrist will deny God and Jesus Christ, Matthew 24, 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. This is not going to be good. When the Antichrist takes over, he's not your friend. He's after one thing, to steal souls and to steal people's worship. Which that leads to point number three, and that is this. Not only will millions of people be missing, secondly, the Antichrist will come to power. Thirdly, a new religion will be instituted, and it ain't a religion like you've seen before. Another figure called the false prophet is going to appear on the scene, and he's going to exercise all the power of the Antichrist before him. Revelation 13, 11 through 12. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. And he makes the earth, everybody say he makes. He makes the earth and those who dwell in it worship the first beast who fatal wound was healed. 
So the false prophet is a prominent uh, or a proponent of a new religion instituted by the Antichrist. This false prophet will cause the image of the Antichrist with magical satanic power to be able to speak and do lying wonders and people will fall all over themselves because this guy's the real deal, they will think. Everyone on earth will be demanded to worship the image of the beast. For the Bible says he'll make everyone worship the beast. Anyone who refuses will be punished with death swiftly or either by starvation. So in order to make every human being bow and submit to this new religion, to this worship of the beast, everyone will be ordered to make an allegiance to this beast. And you will know that you've made an allegiance cognitively and consciously by taking a mark on your right hand or a mark on your forehead. We call it in the church the mark of the beast. Revelation 13, 17, and 18. And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is a number of man. His number is 666. Multitudes of people are going to be beheaded and killed. It's going to be very easy for the Antichrist to control the world because if you don't have his mark, you get nothing to eat. You starve to death. You say, Pastor, I'm telling you, I can hang in there. I can resist the Antichrist. I can, I can, I can. Yeah, well, when your little baby doesn't have formula and is starving to death, you'd be very tempted to give in. The Antichrist's promise of peace and prosperity is going to be shattered. He's going to take all peace from the earth, and it is going to be the devil's den everywhere. Now, you've got to remember, the church today and the Holy Spirit in us is preserving us from total destruction. But what happens when there's no more church out there spreading the gospel? What happens when there are no more Christian people praying and interceding in behalf of the world? What happens when the spirit of, the, of God is taken out of the way, steps aside, and there are no more gifts of the spirit flowing, there's no more fruit of the spirit, there's no more conviction of the Holy Spirit, he just steps out of the way and lets everybody have their way. Can you imagine what kind of world that would be? There'll be a severe famine. Revelation 6, 5 through 6, and now it's going to get really ugly, folks. When the Lamb opened the third seal, I heard the living, third living creature say, Come. I looked, and then there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice from the four living creatures saying, Two pounds of wheat for a day's wages, six pounds of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the way and the wine. The tribulation is going to have such a scarcity of food. There's going to be such a famine in the land that everyone will be forced to accept the mark of the beast, whether on his right hand or his forehead, and there'll be no choice but to do that. But I'm going to talk a little bit about this next week, that if you ever do, if you miss the rapture and you accept that mark, you are damned to hell forever. There is no possibility of repentance after accepting that allegiance. Please hear me if you're here when the rapture is gone. Do not take the mark of the beast. Just die because you will go to hell forever. There is no chance of recourse. And I'll talk about that next week. Finally, point number four is this. Utter destruction will come on the earth. Now, I got a lot that I was going to, and I am going to throw out, but I'm going to do it in rapid fire because you, it, this is like a comic book. This is like Marvel stuff is what you're going to see. Utter destruction will come on the earth. Everybody say utter destruction will come on the earth. Revelation 6, 12 through 14. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. 
There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red. The stars and the sky fell to the earth. Can you imagine no more stars? As figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up. Basically, the, the sky is just going to disappear. I don't know what's going to be there. It's going to be rolled back like a scroll. Listen to this. Every mountain and island was removed from its place. Every mountain, every island removed from its place. Like, where did Hawaii go? It's an island and somehow going to be removed. Mount Everest is a big mountain, but it will be no more in the time of the tribulation. When these things begin to happen, one of the greatest prayer meetings the world has ever known will take place. But it won't be a prayer meeting at a church altar, and it won't be people calling out to God. No, these people are stubborn and obstinate against God. Because in verse 15 and 17 it says, Then the kings of the earth, everybody say, that's leadership. The princes, the generals, that's military, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else. Everybody say everybody. Both slave and free, watch this, the whole world, hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. Listen to this. They called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of the wrath has come, and who can withstand it? They're going to be in such torment and such utter pain and destruction. They're going to hide in caves and dens, abandoned cities, and cry out and pray that the mountains and the, and the rocks fall on them and they die. Folks, this doesn't sound good, but it gets worse. Everybody say, I'm not trying to sell Ginsu knives, right? Yeah, I'm not trying to give you a set of Ginsu knives, but I'm going to tell you there's some judgments coming. So here's what God is rapturing us from. First of all is the seven seals of judgment. And I'll hit these very quickly. The first seal was a white horse which represents war. The second seal, a red horse representing war. The third seal is a black horse representing famine. The fourth seal is a pale horse. Widespread death by war, starvation, and wild beasts. The fifth seal is the cry of the martyr that dies during the tribulation for the name of God under the throne of God crying out for God to give vengeance. The sixth seal, one of earth's greatest earthquakes, earth's greatest cosmic disturbance, and earth's greatest prayer meeting is in Revelation 6. Only it's not a prayer meeting to God, it's against God. The seventh seal is composed of another seven judgments and it's called the seven trumpets. Everybody say the seven trumpets. It's about to get real ugly, folks. First trumpet, when it sounds, one-third of vegetation will be destroyed by hailstones and fire mingled with blood. One-third of anything that grows, trees, grass, any vegetation, fruit, things that we can eat are going to be destroyed. Watch this, by hail and by fire mingled with blood. Second trumpet's going to blow, one-third of the ocean life and ships will be destroyed by a great mountain burning with fire. Now, that was John's description of what he saw many theologians and people believe that to be a big comet hitting the earth you ever seen you know these movies these where they you know this these comets and these asteroids are coming to the earth and they send space shuttles up and they try to blow it up so it doesn't destroy the earth well guess what evidently a comet or something's going to get through 
uh, and or a meteor, excuse me, not a comet, a meteor, and it's going to destroy one-third of ocean life. The third trumpet's going to blow, and one-third of fresh water will be poisoned by a falling asteroid. No doubt, it's absolutely an asteroid. So, folks, in the Great Tribulation, meteors are going to hit the earth. Asteroids are going to hit the earth. It's going to be chaos. Fourth trumpet's going to blow. One-third of the sun, moon, and stars are darkened. Now, if you add all that in, that means a third of the day when the sun should be shining, it's going to be totally dark. At night, when, a, when the stars and the moon should be out, one-third of the night's going to be totally dark. That means if you add in those hours together, a third and a third, almost half of a 24-hour period will be complete and utter darkness on this earth. Not a star, not a moon, not a sun, nothing. And the fifth trumpet sounds... This is the first hellish invasion of demons on the earth. And it's a long passage, so I just picked out two verses. Verse 5 and 6. Revelation 9. They were not allowed to kill them, kill the people on the earth, but only to torture them for five months. You know, I don't know. Ooh, sign me up. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound good. And the agony they suffered was like that of a sting of a scorpion when it strikes. During those days, listen... People will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. People will beg, just let me die, and they won't even be allowed to die. That's horrible. In verse 7, 11, it gives a terrifying description of them as a list, the devil as their king. The sixth trumpet's going to sound, and this is the second hellish invasion of demons on the earth. Verse 14 and 15 again. Just a couple of verses. It said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels, demons, who had been kept ready for this hour and day and month and year, so there was a time, were released to kill a third of mankind. So after they've been tortured for five months, then he's gonna, God's going to allow the demons to come out of Euphrates River and kill a third of mankind. Folks, I don't know about you, but I, I want to be right and I want to be rapture ready. How many of you are like, I'm rapture ready and I want to be? How many of you, are, the more I go, you're like, praise God, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Again, following that, it gives a terrifying description of them. But in verse 20 and 21, the people left alive refused to repent of their sins. The seventh trumpet is blown, and that is the announcement that Christ Jesus, the King, is coming. Woo! I like that one. That's good for us. That's not good for the people on this earth. And that leads to the seven vile judgments. The first vile judgment found in Revelation 16, terrible sores are on the followers of the Antichrist. That don't sound good. The second vile judgment, total poisoning of all salt water and all living things in the seas dies. Think about the food shortages. The vegetation has been burned up. Now the ocean, there's no, there's no sea life anymore. The salt water is totally destroyed. The third vile judgment, now total poisoning of all fresh water. So all water, sea, salt water, all fresh water is completely poisoned. It's completely dead. The fish, everything in it dies. Can you imagine? The fourth vile judgment, people are scorched with fire from the sun. Yet the Bible says that they blaspheme the name of God and refuse to repent. The fifth vile judgment is darkness on the capital of the Antichrist. And they gnaw their tongues because of pain. Folks, you got to be in some serious pain to gnaw and chew on your own tongue. Yet the Bible says, again, they'll blaspheme the name of God for their pain and sores and they will not repent. 
And we look at this and we say, wow, you know, I see all that going on. But, you know, what does God have to do to get you to repent? What has to happen in your life for God to get your attention to where you finally say, God, I release myself. I repent. I change my thinking. I change my attitude. I change my actions. I give my life to you. For these people, they go through all this and they still won't repent. The sixth vile judgment is the drying up of the Euphrates River, preparation for Armageddon and the three unclean spirits. The seventh vile judgment is the world's greatest earthquake and the world's greatest hailstorm. Now, for this passage, I wanted to put it out there for you because I'm almost done. And some of you are probably thinking, thank God he's almost done. This is horrid. How many of you love Jesus more now? How many of you are thankful that God's coming to get his people more now? How many of you are like, I'm looking for the rapture now. Glory to God, I wasn't too concerned earlier, but I am now after reading all this. Revelation 16, 70 through 21, watch this. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, it is done. In other words, God said, it's done. Listen to this, though. Then there came flashes of lightnings, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since mankind has been on the earth. So tremendous was the quake. How bad was it? The great city split into three parts. That's Jerusalem. And the cities, watch this, the cities of all nations, what? That means it's going to be like a worldwide earthquake that is so severe, every city in the world is going to collapse. Can you imagine? Some of the earthquakes we've seen before, San Francisco and other cities, can you imagine a worldwide earthquake so bad that every city in the world is collapsed? Done. God remembered Babylon the Great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of his fury and his wrath. Verse 20, every island fled away. The mountains could not be found. Again, a second witness to this. There would be no more islands and mountains. I don't understand how it's going to happen, but it is because it's the Bible. From the sky, listen to this, huge hailstones, each weighing 100 pounds fell on people. A 100-pound piece of ice comes out of the sky and hits you. You're dead. This is not good. And they cursed God instead of repenting. They cursed God on account of the plague of hail because, because the plague was so terrible. And again, they blasphemed the name of God. Pastor, that is a lot of stuff that maybe I didn't need to know. First of all, we need to be aware of what's coming. We need to understand and appreciate what God is about to do for us in the rapture. But I've got a question for you. I constantly went through, and they're constantly... There's all this stuff happening, and they blaspheme the name of God. They blame God, and they refuse to repent, and they just bring it worse on themselves and worse on themselves and worse on themselves. And it's almost like you want to look at them and say, what are you thinking? At some point, just give in. Quit beating your head against the wall. And then the thought occurred to me as I was praying for the service. Dallas? There'll be some under the sound of my voice that they're beating their head against the wall. And things in their life are going wrong and they're blaming God. They're cursing God and they refuse to repent. Folks, now is the accepted time to get right with God. Because once that trumpet sounds and that man, once the rapture happens, that's what's going to happen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please?
Maybe you're going to be watching this on tape delay. Maybe somebody's going to share this video. Maybe you're going to watch this this week. Maybe you're watching it right now and it's Thursday morning. It's Friday night. Maybe it's two months from now. Please hear this preacher. Now is the time for you to get your life right with Jesus Christ. You don't want this great tribulation. I've taken a lot of time to point out how bad it's going to get. You need to be right with God. It's time to repent. It's time to be rapture ready. So if you're watching me online, or if you're in here in the sanctuary, in this auditorium, and you say, Pastor, that's me. I need to get myself, I need to, I need to be rapture ready. I want to be right. Would you slip your hand in the air? I want to pray for you. Is there anybody? Is there anybody at all? Please, anyone. I plead with you, anybody. God bless you. I see that. Is there anyone else? For the sake of the one, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And I'm going to ask everyone to pray this out loud, if you will. Just a simple prayer of repentance. Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart as my Lord first and Savior second. God, I give my life to you. And I thank you for saving me. Woo. Hallelujah. Are you still going to sing There's a Beautiful Name? I'm going to ask the small group leaders to come down in just a moment. But before we do, how many of you have a different level of appreciation for Jesus Christ now than maybe you did? Or maybe you were just reminded of how awesome Jesus is. Is there anybody? You say, man, praise God. All that stuff, I'll be in heaven when all that's going on. Glory to God, I haven't got to deal with that. Now let me ask you something. How many of you want your loved ones or your friends to go through this? What are you doing? Seriously, what are you doing to tell these people this is coming? Please give your life to Jesus. Are you witnessing? Are you witnessing and telling people that serve you at the restaurants, at the cashier at the grocery store, the coworkers, your family members, are you telling them, please, do you see what's coming down the pike? Please repent and get your life to Jesus. Folks, this is, a, this is a call, not just an altar call and a thankfulness for what God has done for us, but this is an appeal. This is a pleading to say, what are you doing to snatch souls out of hell? What are you doing to tell everybody you possibly can there is an awful tragedy of tribulation coming and you don't want any of it? Please give your life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask them to sing, and I just feel a beckoning to this altar call. I, I, I feel a beckoning. If you feel a stirring in your heart to tell everybody you know to avoid this awful tribulation and to tell people to be right with Jesus, I want you just to empty out of your seat. Maybe everybody else stand up. Maybe we're going to worship the great name of Jesus. Look what he's sparing us from. But would you come? Would you find a spot down here and just cry out and say, God, give me the courage. Give me the courage to witness to everybody I can. Give me the anointing to share Christ and see souls saved at my workplace and at the grocery store and the neighborhood and everywhere I go. Oh, God, help me realize this is serious. Oh, God, don't.
don't just stir our hearts today, God. Don't just move us, transform us. May we leave this place with a burden on our heart to see people saved and transformed. Oh, great God, go ahead and.